Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We are back, and better, we are back with Bomani Jones, the host of HBO's Game Theory, maybe the smartest person in sports, and certainly the one that nobody wants to get into a real debate with because he'll turn him into he'll turn him into cold cuts. Bo, thank you for coming. Welcome. Hey man, how are you guys doing? Well, so far so good. We haven't said anything incredibly stupid, but it's early yet. Good start. Good start. Yeah. How are you doing? What you got? Hey man, not too bad over here. Just trying to make a TV show. You know, that, that gets in the way of living sometimes, but we're gonna make it. Is uh. Is it easier this year than last year? Is it harder? Are there more people trying to tell you how to do this or fewer people trying to tell you how to do this? Oh, man. I think that when something sticks around, it's an insight into a level of investment that a number of people then have in it. Uh, people who invest like to speak and have say. Like, it makes perfect sense. So you get a little bit more of that, but I think it gets harder just once you get a better handle of what is possible then your grind turns into something different because now you can see it. Like before, to me, this was just like, oh, get to do a TV show, cool. Now it's like, hey, so what exactly can we make this into? And there's a little more that comes with that. Bomani, we're going to get these out. You know, we got to talk local real quick, but there's so much we want to get into and, and talk to you about. But real quick, I, I did want to ask you, from what you have seen in terms of the Warriors, how many Western Conference teams right now would you pick over the Warriors to win the whole thing? Well, I mean, we're operating on the assumption of healthy step, right? So if we are operating with that assumption, I still don't think that this particular incarnation of the Warriors plays defense like the previous ones had, and that's what's going to wind up being the issue. So could they play enough defense, say, if they got in the play-in and they caught Denver in the first round? Do I think they play enough defense to win that? No. I don't. Um, but I think once you start getting below like that top three, anything goes in the West. I got no idea how much better anybody in the West is than each other between like three and 12. Do you have a lot of faith in Phoenix because it has Kevin Durant or a lot of faith in Dallas because it went out and got Kyrie Irving? Or is that just more noise that makes those spots four through 12 more confusing? Yeah, I don't have a lot of faith, but the idea of Devin Booker on one wing and Kevin Durant on the other has got to be terrifying, right? <laughs> like, what are you supposed to do with that? Or if you wind up in a situation with Devin Booker handling the ball and Kevin Durant setting the, the ball screen, like that's got to be scary. So I do think they matter. D uh, Dallas, I don't lean nearly as much on that side. But with both teams, the question to me comes down to whether or not it's a chemistry experiment. And Phoenix, we saw fall apart last year in large part because they were a chemistry experiment gone wrong. What happens this year? That's the question. But I, I, if, if Phoenix is rolling, I can't see anybody really picking against him. I, I do think that the Chris Paul piece and how earlier in the season there were there were rumors about, oh, the, the Suns think that Chris Paul's on the way down, which obviously he is, so... Uh, the Suns, if they're rolling, it's going to be tough. Bo, I, I wanted to ask you, 
about last night, Brandon Miller, Alabama, this whole situation with the with the gun and not being charged. What's your take on it? How do you think it was handled? I know you, you talk a lot about your Texas teams and the SEC. How did you think everything went down? And I mean, it's not over yet, but how, how do you see it all? Well, I don't think that uh, Nate Oates, the coach at Alabama, handled this particularly well. But And I think I personally have trouble relating to the circumstance under which somebody's like, hey, could you bring me my gun right fast? You're like, cool, be right there. Right. Um, like, like there's, there, there's something there that doesn't land with me. Like, I just don't know how that ever comes up. But it appears that there was no crime. Right, at least as far as local law enforcement is saying it, there was no crime. So what exactly is the punishment for doing something really, really stupid? And it comes down to the question of, do you think Brandon Miller knew he was taking the gun for somebody to get shot? Now, to me, guns are for shooting people, so I don't know what else you would be taking a gun to somebody for. But in this crazy, wild world of guns, we make the assumption that, hey, having a gun isn't a bad thing necessarily, obviously, because otherwise people wouldn't be allowed to actually have them. So I don't know what exactly it is that they're supposed to do under the circumstance. I just know when it involves a college player and a handgun comes up, you're not going to handle this right if that dude still keeps playing. But I don't know, like, can people clearly articulate what their problem is with it? I know it feels bad, but if you ask people to put into words what the problem is, I don't think they could do that well at it. Let me ask the layup that follows up. Do you think this affects his draft status in any way, shape, or form? Uh, it could affect his draft status if it's really close between him and somebody else to be like the number one pick in the draft. Guess what? It's not. That's over. It's not even close for him being the number two pick in the draft. That one's over, too. So, no, they'll get in there. They'll do the interviews. They'll talk to him. Somebody will explain to him, you can't do nothing this stupid ever again. And then they'll keep it moving. So, basically, if he's not going to get charged and his draft position isn't significantly affected, this is almost, and I hate to put it this way because it's there's a murder involved, but... For per, for his purposes, it's almost no harm, no foul. Well, I would make the argument that he's got to live with whatever it is that he did. And so we very often look for the external punishment in these cases. But let's say he brought a gun to somebody and he knew that they were going to kill somebody. He's going to have to live with that. If he did that and he didn't know... I imagine that's probably even harder for him to live with, right? Like, this was just really, really, really stupid. So I don't think it's no harm, no foul in the larger macro sense because I do think that we're still dealing with a human being that I assume has some measure of conscience. I would I would hope so, and I would imagine so. Bo, you know, you, you got in the weeds as you, as you typically do from time to time. I shouldn't say typically. And all you did was bring up stuff about Carl Malone that should have already been common knowledge. A couple questions on that. Number one, how do you think the whole NBA All-Star Game weekend ended up, including that piece of it? And number two, are there any other stories out there that are common knowledge, like the Carl Malone one, that you feel have been swept under the rug a little bit for whatever reason? Well, I would make the argument that this is not common knowledge. And mm. I think that's something that people who follow sports very closely can often lose sight of is that this is something that we know because we follow this all the time. Most people just watch games, right? Like yeah. most people are just in it to watch a game and then keep it moving. So I don't think there are that many people who knew this. This became a story in 2007 because the young man that was um, conceived when Carl Malone had sex with a 13-year-old, um, he went into the NFL draft. And so there were stories around his story that went from there. And then the later things you would see come up about it were about how Malone had established a relationship with this young man after not being in his life. Because we did not explicitly, in the year 2007, I think it was when this came out, we were much more reluctant to explicitly call something like that rape. That's just not what we did. We just, like, you think about the Jerry Lee Lewis story, 
people really looked at the cousin part as being the problem far more than the fact that it was a child. Like, the sensibilities that people have changed. And so when this came up, I just don't think it was a big story before. And then I'm out there, and they asked me the question about it. And I'm like, yeah, it is kind of awkward because those of us who know this about Carl Malone know it. But it'll probably pass after the weekend goes. And the reason it'll pass after the weekend goes is because Carl Malone's not up in our faces. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if Carl Malone was somebody that was always trying to be around, then you could be like, hey, this is a problem. He showed up for one weekend. The NBA figured we could live through it and we could get past and they were right, and he's going to go back to the country doing whatever the hell it is he do down there, and nobody's going to think about him. Now, off the top of my head, there's almost an irony to the question that you asked because it's hard for me to say what's something that's common knowledge and also swept under the rug. Those two things can't really exist at the same time. But I think a lot of things, there are so many things for people to keep up with that go on right now expecting people to remember something that they found out about 15 years ago and we just kept it moving. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot to ask out of people. We're talking with Bomani Jones, the host of HBO's Game Theory, and you just raised an interesting point in my head, which is how many things are going on now. Do you ever wake up in the morning and say, I don't know what we're going to talk about? Or is it is the job for you now is trying to figure out what of the many things that are landing on your desk are going to make the show? Yeah, it was actually funny because I was um, doing my podcast uh, today, recorded today with Dominique Foxworth, and we started with, uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about, and then those 45 to 50 minutes just ran through so fast. It was like, oh, sure, we'll get to something, and then we go from there. Like, we have overload on things there are to talk about. What's wild, though, and I guess somewhat disappointing is what you try to do in this space is find a thing that everybody wants to talk about, and that's typically the dumbest things in the world, which is to say that Dominique and I started by talking about Aaron Rodgers. Oh, please go on. (laughs) I mean, I have to admit, right, I'm kind of intrigued by the idea of the darkness retreat. Like, like once I stopped and thought about it, I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. Wow, you're going to be there nothing to do but think for four straight days. And in a way, I was like, yo, that does sound a little bit terrifying. And Aaron Rodgers said it would sound terrifying. And then suddenly I was like, oh, okay. What I think is amazing is the idea that somebody would say to themselves, yeah, I got to go in there and decide if I want $60 million or not. Like, I mean, I've done a darkness retreat before. Let me make that point clear. I definitely did a darkness retreat. And all I was thinking about was how the hell I was going to get the money up to pay that light bill. That was it. Like, this is a whole different sort of thing that he's doing. Um, given the fact that we love to overblow stuff with Aaron Rodgers anyway, how much of that do you sense, and this is not a fair question to ask, but you asked for this, how much of him is now performative and how much of him do you think is genuine? I do think that he knows at this point that he can mess with us, right? Like, some of his critiques of media are actually on point. And some of the things he says are like, ah, no, 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 I got to admit, you might have a point there. He's just so smug about it that it becomes so problematic. But he is very aware of the fact that he can do this, and then we'll all jump all over it. And I do think that he finds it entertaining uh, to be able to do those things. I also think that he believes some crazy things. I think all of these things have happened. Like, the thing I do appreciate about Aaron Rodgers is at least he's not boring, and just about every other quarterback in the NFL is boring. At least he is not. And I do think that most of the things he says he does actually believe. Um, We have a colorful character. It would just be better if he wasn't smug. Like, that's the same thing with him and Kyrie. There was a time where I could really enjoy a Kyrie type, except for the fact that he takes himself so damn seriously. Yeah, and well, and here's the thing, but well, first of all, I read that you could technically Aaron Rodgers, where he was saying the light, everything was working there. He could turn the lights on if he wanted. Now, obviously, we're assuming that he didn't, but it's not as if I don't know. It kind of hit me a certain type of way because it's not as if he literally was in the darkness. If he said, hey, I've had enough, we will never know. And I don't think he turned the light on. But the fact that he could, and you're talking about your darkness retreat where you couldn't, you know, there's just different levels of these retreats. But sticking with Aaron Rodgers and bringing it to the Bay Area, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Trey Lance, or Brock Purdy, 
if you're the Niners and you can make the money work in any type of way, even if you got to move somebody, are you interested in Aaron Rodgers? And what are your thoughts on, you know, this battle we have right now between Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, who some people want to ship Trey Lance out right now and give Brock Purdy the gold jacket. Some people want to do the exact opposite. Where are you at on all that for the Niners QB situation? Well, one, I don't think you trade for Aaron Rodgers if for no other reason than like this is a team that traded DeForest Buckner away, got the first round pick. And what do you know? You get Ken Law. It's almost like DeForest Buckner wasn't here. Like they actually know what to do with picks. And so if you actually know what to do with them, then I think you probably should hold on to them. To me, I don't think the 49ers have a dilemma at all at quarterback. If Brock Purdy can do that in this offense, I can't wait to see what Trey Lance does. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how in the world that is not the immediate response that people have here. Uh, in this quarterback-starved league that we've got, that dude was the last pick in the draft. The very last one. And what he did this season was very impressive considering. But I am absolutely going into training camp if I'm the 49ers like, yo, I'm giving Trey Lance every opportunity to win this job. And if he doesn't, then he doesn't, and we go to Brock Purdy. Anything else to me is stupid. Like, you know what? I'm going to go with the way less talented guy over the one that we traded three first-round picks to get. Hell no. Trey, you got every chance to do this. And if you can't, then we move on. But damn it, we got to try. Brock Purdy did not earn a starting job. That is not how jobs work. He had it for a little while. Way to go. Yeah. Well, it depends who you ask out here, Bamani. One more one more note. This isn't even really a question. It's kind of a question. Just going back to Aaron Rodgers quickly. Please tell me I'm not crazy. Does Aaron Rodgers to you, doesn't it look like he enjoys the offseason more than playing football at this point? When he sits up there and he's doing the Pat McAfee show, he, you could just tell he was he is so excited for the offseason and everybody gets to wonder where he's going. I honestly think at this point in his career, he enjoys this part of the season, the offseason, more than the actual season. Well, I think the thing about the actual season for him that we have to keep in mind is that he's 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Nobody else on that team is 40 years old. You know, like this happens to guys where they get to that point where they look around and they're like, yo, there's nobody my age to hang out with. Like I can see how the team dynamic and everything else at this point wouldn't necessarily be that much fun to me. Now, what he's got with McAfee that is really interesting, I don't think that people recognize just how many people listen to Pat McAfee and watch that show. Like, that is a legitimate juggernaut um, in what I would call non-traditional media sector. So, like, it's not over the air, so you don't think about it that way, but that's the one dude that's getting all these viewers. And, yes, Aaron Rodgers is lapping up all the attention because his appearance on that show has become a destination sort of thing for people in our industry who then go – and ultimately amplify the message. But I find to be interested about his spots on McAfee, and I'm just guessing here. I watch some of those, and I'm like, he has no idea that Pat McAfee is messing with him, too. <laughs> like, like, you can see the look on McAfee's face sometimes. Like, did he just say that? Yeah. And he'll just throw something else out there, and Aaron Rodgers will just keep on going. <laughs> That's why I wonder if this isn't more performative, that he's almost working off a mental script. But... Nah, 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 nah. He, if, if he tell you, if this is performative, he's in the wrong line of work. He can make $60 million without getting hit in the kidneys if he's that good an actor. Well, that's true, but Tom Brady could have done that, too, and he still wanted to do it. Uh, there must be some yeah. heroin in playing the game that I don't get. Um, oh, man, I just want these old guys to go away, though. Like, you're, our sports consumption is not intended for these guys this age to still stay at the forefront. Like, it's the same thing with LeBron James. He's a top 10 player. He's still really good. But he should be gone. Like, the last eight teams that were left in the playoffs, all of them had quarterbacks under 30. Why are these old dudes still here? Excellent point. Like, take them out and shoot them. I'm good with that. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, while I, I'm always annoyed by the basic tyranny of evaluating entire teams by simply their quarterback. I tend to wonder from time to time whether or not Patrick Mahomes has ruined evaluating quarterbacks because he's such an outlier and he's such a unicorn and nobody else either can match his skill set or his improbability. 
Do you view it the same way that people have a hard time looking at a good quarterback and figuring out how good they are just because there's Mahomes out there doing things that nobody else has done? Well, I actually think that in this day and age, they might be better at evaluating quarterbacks than ever. It's going to be a little bit convoluted, but I ask you to follow me. So, I mentioned all those quarterbacks being under 30. Lost in our discussions really is that there's a lost generation of quarterbacks. Like, if you think about it, the best quarterbacks in the league this year who were over 30 were Geno Smith and Kirk Cousins. Like, how exactly does that happen? And it happens when it takes people forever to figure out. You know, you probably need a quarterback that can move. That would probably be a helpful thing to have. And the game reached a point where you couldn't make it anymore without a quarterback who could not move. But the evaluation process had not caught up to that. And now you wind up looking around and seeing all these young, incredibly talented quarterbacks. And you realize, wow, they were literally doing it all wrong for about 15 years, over 10 to 15 years in this league and finding guys. And so it's going to be interesting to see how we deal with it in this draft because you got Bryce Young, who's too small, but probably the most perfect prospect of those if you just look at his skills, right? C.J. Stroud, who I don't have a great reason for why you should not take C.J. Stroud. Anthony Richardson, who is basically Josh Allen 2018 in terms of how you evaluate him in the draft, except he's more polished and played against a higher level of competition. And then Will Levis who honestly I personally only know that he's white. I don't want to evaluate his game. I need to check it out. But I get a little bit nervous when it's a guy I've never heard of and people are telling me that he's the best. And it's not like he went to school off the beaten path. He played in the SEC. I've seen that game happen before also. But now they, when they get out here and look for white dudes, they actually require them to be fast now. You notice that? Even, the, even Brock Purdy, he can move. They're not letting white dudes get away with standing still while everybody else got to be fast, you see? So now I think they're going to get better because they're actually looking at people who could play quarterback in the NFL when they willfully were doing the opposite. Mm. And finally, before we let you go, because we've kept you, well, we kept you 20 minutes that you could have done something useful with. Uh, is there anything about baseball in 2023 that is on your radar, even even remotely? Or is that a sport that frankly is so, so stuck in being unable to figure out what it is or what it wants to be, that it almost doesn't gain your notice? Well, I think baseball's problem is that the game is not compatible with national coverage and our overload of stuff that we have right now. You follow baseball by following one team for 162 grueling games. Like, you find that, you know, the whole league by the end, you know, everybody's bullpen and all of that. But it's not meant for you to follow the two leagues as one league. It doesn't work in that way. It just can't hold attention like that. They do great on television numbers locally, but people don't show up to games. And it's not part of the national consciousness because there's not a national discussion to be had about baseball. However, I do live in New York now, and I am very intrigued by the idea that we got this, uh, I think, alleged, maybe convicted, I can't remember, but I'm going to say alleged for the time being, white-collar criminal who owns the Mets. And he is just like, I'm going to spend all the money I can on my baseball team. And we need more guys like that out here everywhere. Like, I want him to turn this into the strip club for baseball. Show, make these people feel bad about themselves and how they act as rich people. And show them they ain't no real ballers because you out here spending real money. I'm here for it. I like that. I love because that. Because I've also fallen in love with the guy who owns the Philadelphia Phillies who came out the other day and said... You know, why does anybody care, you know, what we make? Nobody remembers how much the 27 Yankees made or the or the Big Red Machine made financially. They just wanted to know, were they a good team or not? And that's what I'm doing. And he spent as much money in the time he's owned the team as Steve Cohen has. So maybe there are a few guys on the periphery that are starting to figure that out, too. Yeah, the guy in San Diego, right? Like the idea that that market has the players that it has and is willing to extend the capital in order to do that. Like baseball's better with a Steinbrenner, right? Like it's better when you have more of those people. But more than anything else, if we all create a world where these dudes can make these billions of dollars, the least they can do is spend it on baseball players. What a dandy thought. But then again, that's what you traffic in, dandy thoughts. Bo, you were great as always. Uh, continued good luck killing people with the show and uh thanks for spending some time with us and uh, we'll talk soon 
All right, gentlemen. You have a good one. All righty. Great stuff. He's so good. I hate him. <laughs> he just you, literally. There's nothing that stumps him because I don't think he spends tons of time wondering about baseball for the reasons that he already expounded. It yeah. just that doesn't resonate with him, but he does get to the heart of what the next great problem with baseball is, and it's going to be owner on owner crime which is there are about four or five guys who are, they're going to spend to the roof. And he correctly mentioned Peter Seidler in San Diego and John Middleton in Philadelphia. And, you know, the Yankees being the Yankees and the Dodgers being the Dodgers, you know, and now the Mets. And everybody else is trying to figure out how not to spend money because they're too worried about their regional sports networks. Right. And they're not going to get the automatic pay, pay in every year that they are used to getting. And so I think that's the next great story in baseball. Not Shohei Otani, not Aaron Judge. It's about it's a it's a three year walk up to the next lockout, and that one feels like it's going to be bloody. Even though this last one wasn't, mm -hmm. it was just a few days before everybody said, "Ah, eh, we don't ha we're we're not ready for this one yet." But I think everybody's getting ready for the next one. When we have conversations and oh, you got to raise the. You got to put some type of basement or or there has salary to be a floor. salary floor for these teams. As fans, should you hope that the big name team, because no, people love an underdog, but if one of these low salary teams wins, that doesn't help the landscape for the other teams that aren't spending. If you are a fan of baseball, should you be rooting for the powerhouses? Should you be rooting for the Mets or the Yankees to win to force the hand of these other owners? Hey, it, what are you doing? If you're, if you're just not going to compete, I'm not going to go to your games anymore. But you know what? It, because they make money, whether anybody shows up or not, there's no pressure on the Oakland A's, for example. But how do you to fix do anything? That, 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 I don't know that you can fix it. I, I, what they'd like to do is fix it by making making a salary cap mm -hmm. without a salary floor. And that's what the next lockout's going to be about. But nothing, no championships have moved like the guy in Pittsburgh or the guy in Cincinnati. You know, or now the Cubs are trying to be thrifty. You know, even winning seven years ago, like the Cubs did, they couldn't wait to abandon the notion of, well, we can't spend money on guys. We have to be, we have to mind our pennies. And that, that nothing's going to change that. Steve Cohen's not going to change that. What they want to do is make it impossible for the Steve Cohens to spend to the sky like they do. And that's going to be a bloody war in and of itself because the owners can't lock out the players and have any unanimity and chance of succeeding if they're trying to kill each other. And because that's what, that's what ended the strike in 94. The owners literally were trying to strangle each other. And as a result, you know, they ended up losing that lockout. They lost the World Series because of it. And they damaged baseball till they invented steroids again. So that's where we're at. Yeah. So even if nobody, zero people in the seats for the Pirates, nobody watching TV, owner still makes money. Exactly. That's life, sad. Life sucks. And then you get a hip replacement. <laughs> that's how this works. If you haven't already, by the way, make sure to subscribe to Damon and Rado on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. When we come back, we'll be back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? <coughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. We're back. A bit smarter after talking to Bomani Jones. But yes. now it's us again. Until Rich Eisen at 5.30 when we get smarter again. But now we have to slog through this with our own particular idiom of ignorance. What do you want to talk about? What's eating you? What's eating me? Well, yeah. you know, you. I think it's time. I think we've avoided it long enough, Ray. I'm looking here at what the... Niners have done. No, they haven't won the big one. But the Niners have been a, a big factor in the NFL for off and on and before Harbaugh went bad. But Harbaugh had a run. I think we're in the middle of the run with Shanahan. You have the the Giants who, yes, I know the last time they were before the the even years, it would, obviously they go 2010, 2012, 2014, in the playoffs 2016. Then they have the 107 win season, and you have the Warriors who are doing their thing. So you referenced earlier in the show how yeah it was slow time period, but Sports Center. I'm watching Sports Center this morning, and they start it literally with what's wrong with the Suns, or sorry, what's wrong with the Warriors. Right after that. What's wrong with Brock Purdy? And then, and it wasn't a a Bay Area segment. It was specific. You know, it was just starting the show. And I start thinking to myself, you look around, and I know Philly, they're having a, a bit of a good run. They can't win the big one, but they're having a bit of a good run. You look around other cities, even the big cities, and even all the fandom. Shout out to Carlos Rodon in New York. All the fandom everywhere else. Are we in at least a version of a golden era of sports in the Bay Area? I don't think so. And the reason why is because the baseball team is relatively indifferent. The other baseball team is completely inert. Yes. The hockey team's been flatlining for about three years now. Mm -hmm. If you want to say the Warriors, I think you could help your argument by including the Kings because maybe they no longer suck. True. Um, and then you've got the 49ers. So I don't know if that makes for a golden age as much as it means that a market with a lot of professional sports teams will have some that are thriving and some that aren't. I think the, you know, the, the early to mid uh, part of last decade mm -hmm. when you had the Giants winning three World Series in five years. You had the uh, the Jim Harbaugh era with the, 40, with, the uh, with the 49ers. You had the start of the Warriors starting to figure it out. There was a block from about 
2010 to 2017 where somebody was planning a parade. And that, to me, is more gilded than this is. Well, I guess when I say era, we don't know when the era starts or ends. I Couldn't you make the argument you're, we're still in it? Couldn't that all be connected? It could be, but two of the three teams that fueled the start of this mm-hmm. are you know, barely hanging on to a, a play-in spot. And the other one is considered the least interesting team maybe in Major League Baseball. So what you're left with, you know, essentially the last embers of the Warriors and a very good 49er team. So it's so there's shrinkage here. Right. The, the Giants aren't the least interesting team in baseball. Oh, they're absolutely. Tell me, tell me what their starting lineup is. Just off the top of your head. Hanniger. Yeah. You have, obviously, you have, well, actually, you don't know if you have Joey Bart. You got, well, we're off to a gr- flying start. You got Yastrzemski. Okay. I mean, we don't necessarily know what the lineup is going to be, right? But that's, that's Crawford, part of the problem. Tyro Estrada. You got some guys, Ray. No, yeah, no. What you have is you have some human beings. What Wilma you Flores. What you don't. Jock Peterson. What you don't have are people who, A, you can point to and say, they're going to make this team really good. Or, that's a guy who I want to pay to see. I'm a big J.D. Davis guy. I'm going to be honest with you. No, you're not. <laughs> um, I mean, he's probably not even going to start against right-handed pitching. So, yeah, you know, I don't think you can get that excited about him. Um, they've got Logan Webb. Mm-hmm. That's the thing they can hang their hat on. And the rest of it is either 4A guys or guys who you know, are starting to get old. I mean, this is an old team when you think about it. Kyle Harrison coming up soon. That'll be exciting. We, we have no idea if that will ever happen because Kyle Harrison is just the brand new version of Mario Luciano. No, it's Marco. Marco Luciano. And See, no, there you go. No, it's no, not it's the just, same. No, it's not Kyle the Harrison same. is the latest in a long series of promising guys who haven't gotten here yet or may never get here. But at least they're talking about Kyle Harrison being up this year. It feels like Marco Luciano has been in high A for five years. I don't, well, I don't even know where he is. But the point is, until he gets here, mm-hmm. all he is is a rumor because all the other guys have been rumors. Joey Bart is starting not because he's earned a place, but because Buster Posey finally decided, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Did you know the Giants have twins on their team? Yes, I did. But that's interesting. But it doesn't move me either. I mean, that's why this is not really a, a golden age. It's the 49ers are holding up their end. Mm-hmm. The Warriors, you know, they're not that far away from the last time they won. I mean, it's eight months. Yeah, they're but, still they're they're holding up. But their right end. now, you wouldn't point to them and say, "Man, they're state of the art." Not so, right now, but when I say era, I'm including last year too. Well, then basically, what you're talking about is an era that started in 2010. Mm-hmm. You know, has progressed really till about 2019. Then it fell off a bit. Now there's some signs that you might get a little more afterburn. But I don't think you can look at the Warriors and say, boy, their future is absolutely like incandescent. No, if anything, I would say the era may be ending because I think you have to at least have two out of the three to have an era or two out of the four if anybody's going to count hockey as well. It, well, I mean, they exist, so you got to count them. Well, I know. I mean, in 2016, well, they went to the Stanley Cup final. Right. That was the year they lost and the Warriors lost. Yeah. So. But, but it's not it's not about winning the title as much as it is being there to fight for it. How much? So that's why that counts. Well, here's and here's another way to measure it. The buzz around a team, right? The, the Niners. It, Everywhere, you know, restaurants, bars, it's Niners, Niners, Niners. Everywhere, it's Warriors, Warriors, Warriors. You go to the wrong place. That's your problem. No, I'm just saying there's no real buzz right now for the Giants. So there are two two parts of an era. There's actually actually performing and, and 
being successful and then there's the piece of it that's just hey this could be our year we don't have that right now because of the Giants and yes obviously in your wonderful Oakland hoodie as well we don't have that with the A's either no the A's are trying to negotiate their way out of here to go to a city that doesn't seem to care whether they show up or not mm-hmm. I mean they have aggressively tried to make themselves irrelevant and invisible I mean in ways that College sports in the area can't even manage. I mean, it's the level of neglect that the A's have undergone at the hands of its own management. Right. Uh, is the problem there. But in terms of whether this is a golden age, I think right now, and maybe this is recency bias, but there's one team, there's the potentially dying embers of another. But that's it. I mean, you know, I mean, it, w- it was two years ago when Tampa Bay had a team going to the World Series, had a team winning the, the, the Super Bowl, and a team winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah. I mean, and that's all the franchises they got. So I think, you know, Philadelphia is running hot right now. But I mean, there's always a city, there always seems to be one city that picks it up. And when you're talking about, an area, and again, I'm going to con- include Sacramento for this, with seven pro franchises, mm-hmm. the chances that they're all going to suck are just as remote as that they're all going to be good. So, by and large, if you've got if you got four teams rolling... Somebody's good. Yeah. I mean, if you got four teams rolling, you're doing a hell of a job, and that was 2016, not, not now. Yeah, it's a good point. So, maybe if anything... It's almost the end of that era starting to be. Well, maybe. I mean, the Warriors will have a lot to say about that, but so will the Kings. Mm -hmm. If the Kings manage somehow to make a deep run, all of a sudden, now you're intrigued by them. Right. Because you have to be. It's winning draws, you know, bees to pollen, very simply. And the truth is, the Kings are... They might be a slow build here because we've got the Warriors to distract us. But they're selling out their building for the first time in like 15 years. And can I say something about that? And and I don't... Look, I don't care how you fan. Fan how you want to fan. But the whole Carlos Rodon thing brought up a lot in terms of, oh, well, they don't boo in the passion. And, you know, we have conversations about fair weather fans. And my, my me personally... I don't care. I don't mind fair weather fans. If you only want to show up when your team's good, life is hard enough. You don't have to show up when your team stinks. I, I don't. I don't mind. And I also don't mind if they're. I also don't mind if you haven't been a fan of any team, and all of a sudden now you're a fan of. I don't know. Oh, I've never been to Dallas, but I really like the Cowboys. And people, people are going to hate that example. Me personally, I don't mind. You talk about the light, the beam. And Sacramento selling out. Ray, we can't sit here and look. If there are any Kings fans listening, I, I might be able to sneak in a call. Ray won't let me. But defend, you don't have to defend yourself. But you can't tell me that there aren't some Kings fans that are part of this new sellout, light the beam culture. You can't tell me that there aren't any Kings fans that were Warriors fans a couple years ago. You can't tell me they're not, that they're not. I don't know. I'm not in Sacramento. So that's the, that's the problem. You know, I just, I don't have enough expertise. All I know is this is a team that has, has not won a championship since the Truman administration. Mm-hmm. This is a team that's been in five different cities since that time. This is a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 16 years. This is a team that all of a sudden, like the Warriors in 2013, after being awful forever, Mm-hmm. have suddenly caught the imagination of its metropolitan area. And if, by some stroke of luck, the the Kings and Warriors meet in the postseason, and that would mean that the Warriors you know, make it to the sixth, um, I think that would go a long way toward making this a genuine rivalry, because it's never been. No. It's never been close to that. And it's not because San Franciscans are haughty or the Bay Area looks down on Sacramento, even though they do. It's because they've never played in an important game 
since the Kings came out here in 84. I mean, that's that's nearly 40 years. What, where what they've about- never They've never brushed against each other. Yeah. Yeah. And you could always tell, because when you would go in, it was, okay, everybody was always the little brother, right? When the Kings were rolling, the Warriors were the little brother. When the Warriors had been rolling, the Kings had been the little brother. For them both to now, let's say, be adults, grown-up version of the brothers and and get to spar and, and go against each other, it would be fun. I think it's probably not going to happen. Well, it probably won't, but this is the first time in forever that it's at least conceivable. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, when the Kings were good, you know, in that one eight-year stretch, the Warriors were awful. And when the Warriors have been good, the Kings have been awful. Right. It's hard to do that for 40 consecutive years. And now you've got Sacramento holding up its end again, and the Warriors, you know, giving you a white-knuckle ride about whether they're relevant or not. But they have a better chance of being relevant than the Kings have had for a decade and a half. So I I, I think it's something that it, it won't make money for anybody necessarily, but it will change the vibe a bit. I think Sacramento, it will make some money for Sacramento. Well, it might, but even no matter who they played in the playoffs, yeah. they'd make money. Sure. But in terms of, you know, does this create talking points and a greater interest here about the Kings? I think that could ha- that that's the only way that it could happen. So it's conceivable. You're right. The chances of them playing in the playoffs are, you know, they're fairly minimal just by the law of numbers. Mm-hmm. But if the Kings manage to hold off everybody and finish third and the Warriors figure out a way to get in the si- get to the 6, they're playing in the first round and maybe it's just the first round. But they've never sniffed each other before this. In fact, I can't even tell you the last time the Warriors and Cincinnati Royals played. They might they might never have played, for all I know, right. uh, since since the Warriors left Philadelphia. And that goes back to 1963, right. 62. And you would have to think Mike Brown has got to be top three for coach of the year. I would think so. The, the, the other obvious choice might be Michael Malone. Mm-hmm. Because that's a six seed that's now a one seed, right? Um, and really, I don't know, you know, nah, not really the Celtics, you know, not really Budenholzer in Milwaukee. Uh, no, I, I think those are probably the two guys. I don't know who the third would be. You know, Cleveland made the playoffs last year, so they had some expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, Philly is always there, so it's not really not them. I think I think it's a two horse race. Right. They would, I think right now I'd be inclined, although Mike Brown is the charming choice, to probably give it to Michael Malone because went from a a six seed with one player to a runaway one seed. The only team that's running away in either conference. Yeah, but he has his guys back. Nevertheless, they're they're twenty three games better than they were at this time a year ago, and that I think will resonate with a lot of people. If if the Kings and the Warriors did meet, and even if they don't, what an interesting career for Harrison Barnes. I mean, he didn't necessarily get run out of town, but after twenty sixteen, Warriors fans they were just sick of him, completely sick of him, and he could he had a terrible. That end of that series, he could not shoot. It was rough. You basically upgrade that position for Kevin Durant, and the Warriors go on to win a couple more championships. And Harrison Barnes, you just don't really hear you. You never, you didn't hear about him anymore. So for him, he had a he had a really good game early on in the season. You know, he, it was career's point, something like that. So for him to have a, a, a comeback and to get back in the postseason, me personally, Ray, all's well that ends well. Do I wish the Warriors finished that season and won the championship and had the best record of all time with the championship, the best regular season record of all time with the championship? Yes, I do. But at the same time, you got your championships. You got Kevin Durant. You got one without Kevin Durant. I, in in some way, I am rooting for Harrison Barnes because, look, 
a lot of things can take a toll on you. And he came back, and you know, he he got he got paid in Sacramento. Don't get me wrong. Oh no, he, he very definitely <laughs> did. Not like it's not like he got any type of discount. So he did get paid, but we wanted him out of here, deservedly so, just based on how he left a bad taste in our mouths. But for him to hang around and he, now be a piece on a, another playoff team, I think it's pretty cool. I don't think anybody ran him out. I think if he wasn't offered the the twenty four million dollar a year deal, mm-hmm. um. He'd have stayed, and they would have let him stay because he was a useful player, even though he had a, a hard-to-watch finals. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the Warriors needed what he had at least for a year, but when they got Durant, he became superfluous. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it'd be, it, it'd, be, it'd be a cool end to his story because he's, you know... He's now, what, 30? He's going to be a UFA next year. He'll be 31. But he's been around, you know, for a decade. He has, and, just quietly. And get this, those corner threes that he was bricking, he would never have to, he will never have to shoot an Oracle again. So no bad, no bad juju. He's not shooting. He doesn't have the memories no, of shooting I mean, that arena. Look, he's useful in Sacramento. That's mm-hmm. That's all that he has to worry about. And it would be, it would be an interesting yet small narrative to the bigger picture, which is a, the Warriors pulled themselves off their deathbed to get there. Very true. And b, they're an underdog to the team they've been standing on for a decade and a half. There's no shot Vegas would have them as an underdog, though. What the the Warriors? Right. No, because there'd be a flood of money. Well, because the Warriors would be going good at that point. Right. If they got to the six, it's because all of a sudden, you know, they're sixteen and eight down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, the, the the Kings would clearly be an underdog, even though they'd have home court. But it wouldn't be prohibitive, you know, and they might even be a favorite in game one. Yeah. And even if, that's the thing, you want your team to do well, but because they are so close, to even just be around, be around success, I think is still cool. I know Kings fans weren't necessarily happy when their team stinks and, the Warriors are doing their thing. But you talk about the golden era in the Bay Area. How about other cities? I mean, we could do a list on te- on cities that just haven't, whatever the opposite of the golden era is, the brick era, where just no team has been good for a very long period of time. The Pirates have been rough, but you have, the Steelers are always, I don't know if you- Steelers and ever, Penguins are, are- Always. At least a factor. I mean, Cleveland until- you know, they won the championship in '16. Had gone forever. I think it was since the since the Indians won in in '54. Uh, yeah. No, in fact, they didn't even win in '54. It's '48. Right. They so, went that year I mean, and lost. Yeah, but uh, you know, but the Browns were good up until Jim Brown's retirement, and that was '64. And after that, they became ordinary. So, no, there are teams that have you know had hard times for a long time. Yeah. I mean, Philadelphia was like that for a long time. Um, but, you know, by and large now, everybody gets a crack because it's harder to keep dynasties together mm-hmm. in any sport. I mean, New England is, you know, very much a tale of two people, you know, Belichick and Brady. And, you know, the, the Bruins would pop in and out, the Celtics would pop in and out. But for the most part, it's hard to keep stuff going. So whether 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 this era is golden still or not, I mean, it's it is starting to tarnish a bit, but it's still better than what they had before. Yeah, and you made the argue about New York. Yeah. Um, by the way, you and I are presented by Fremont Bank, full service banking with no compromises. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 